Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. I'm John Breeden, your host for this episode of the show and the Chief Lounge Lizard. Today we're asking you what makes a true society, a true advanced society. Is it pyramids, aqueducts? No, I don't think so. I think the mark of a true society is being able to take your video games with you on the road. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take that over an old pyramid anyway. And I have three people with me in the lounge today who are willing to talk about what, how they do that very same thing. Not building pyramids, but taking their games on the road with them. And we are talking with Todd Hargosh and Kelly Adams, who are both the uh, hosts of our other show that runs monthly on Gin, the Gamer Geeks. So Todd and Kelly, welcome to the lounge today. Thank Thanks you. again. Always, always good to have you two in here. And I know you two are huge in the mobile gaming space, not just uh, with like PSPs and DSs, but also on the cell phone side of things, which is like the cell phone side of gaming is like huge. I think about half the press releases Jin gets now are about new games that are available on the iPhone. So, <laughs> I mean, it must be it must be huge for you guys that play all the time. Have a you you both have a pretty good selection of games. Oh, pretty yes. much. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, Kel- how, m- how many games do you think you have, Kel- Kelly, on your on your iPhone alone? Total uh, apps are 115. Oh my god! I don't load them all at, uh, simultaneously on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I shuffle them around a bit. Yeah, she has a she has an iPhone, and then she has a USB connection with a portable hard drive with a terabyte worth of the game. It's a little heavy lugging around, but you know you get all your games. And then also joining us in the lounge today is our publisher and Lord of the Manor, Nate Woolley. What Nate? Welcome to the show today. Thank you very much, John. I appreciate it. Oh, we're always glad to have you here. Nate is our business guy, obviously, and not just for Jin, but he's also written articles for the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post, writing about the business side of gaming. So we're always good. You know, us gamers, we just want to have fun. Nate actually wants to make money. <laughs> so Somebody's got to sign the checks. Please. Absolutely. I'm leaning more to his side now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Another- actually, I... I wanted to jump in, sorry to, to get on you, and your introduction, mm-hmm. uh, I know you were trying to be funny with uh, what makes a society go sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know, what makes a great civilization, but I did a piece a couple of years ago for the Wall Street Journal, um, long piece, God, it was a lot of work, um, on cell phone technology comparing Japan and South Korea and the United States and how their early adoption and uniform system of cellular technology in Japan was why they had so much more a cohesive sort of online phone presence for purchasing, for gaming, for communication than the United States did. And it's because of their, you know, sort of install base of phones earlier, five to six years earlier than the States got to it. You know, they're, they are, you know, they, where we are now, they were, you know, in 2000. Yeah. And, I know you were trying to be funny, but you know there's there's a grain of truth in the midst of that joke. So. Well, thank you. I always try to have uh, grains of truth when I'm telling stories. <laughs> Usually, one little grain of truth and then a big story. But uh, 
other countries, I mean, that goes back to other countries are ahead of the United States in uh, all, not just uh, wireless communication, but even in the wired communication. I mean, what we consider broadband here is like would be considered like a poor man's dial up in Japan, for instance. And Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that that comes about because society in the form of government there made a decision. This is the standard. This is how it will work. Everybody developed for that. Whereas here in the States, you know, we took a more market driven approach, which is fine. I'm not disputing that. Um, but everybody had to develop their own technology. So Sprint and AT&T, et cetera, have to develop their own technology. And that forces us behind because developers have to develop for, you know, nine different networks or something as opposed to knowing they can develop something and it will work on everybody's technology. Yes, but unfortunately doing it that way would require us and especially our government to actually make a freaking decision and do something. And we all know that that seems completely impossible in the current situation. I'm not disputing your thesis. I'm just saying here the causes and, and consequences. I got you. Well, Nate, I, uh, I wanted to ask you a question first off anyway. Uh, so it's good that you jumped in, I guess, because you've already taken the spotlight, as you want to do. The, uh, the mobile market, uh, as far as, as far as gaming, do you have any idea how, how large it is, what, what we're talking about, and compared to, say, the, the general gaming market? Well, there's there's some numbers out there. There's a, it's it's a very sort of woolly issue, if you'll forgive me, um, <laughs> in that the the number of cellular phones out there is is a tough thing to really pin down, but it looks to be somewhere between 175 million and 200 million right now in the states, which is a lot of phones out there. If that's just the United States, then that's you know two phones for every three people. Mm inside the inside the borders compare that potential market with uh what is it gran turismo 5 the biggest selling ps3 game i think that came in at 3.9 million units sold so think about that the the largest selling ps3 game by the numbers i was able to get sold i think what two percent of the potential cell phone market well, and then that also goes to show um, some of the 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 way that the games are sold. In other words, as far as on the phones, I'll, I'll ask Kelly and Todd about that in a second. But my understanding is that they're they're extremely cheap. I mean, you, you can get a you can get a game for a dollar or two. And I think the reason that they can do that is, well, first off, the quality is less than what you're going to get on a console. So if you were paying sixty bucks, you'd be pretty dissatisfied with the game. But but I think it's the install base, isn't it, Nate? I mean, if you can sell a game to one percent of the market at a dollar, you're doing pretty good, right? Well, there's there's two points to that question. One, you're selling games to a phone, so there's no packaging, there's no shipping. Somebody buys it, you hit their credit card, and it transfers to their phone. You know, there's no cost there, so your entirety of your cost in terms of developing the game is in the development, paying the programmers, the idea guys, the producers, that sort of stuff. All of the sort of secondary overhead is gone. Toss that in with the fact that if you sell to 1%, you've moved a million copies. You know, if you sell an iPhone app for, you know, two bucks, you know, I think they go for something like that, right, guys? Um, Not the range, between $1 and $5. Yeah, so call it two bucks. Call it two fifty for a mid-range. Okay. And you managed to sell to half of 1% of the potential cell phone market, you've moved 500,000 
units at two and a half dollars and suddenly you're looking at what 1.2 million dollars or something in your bank account and bang you're off to costa rica never to be heard again (laughs) (laughs) and and compare that to uh, a game like say bioshock uh, where you've got a huge development team and you've got to put millions into the game then when you get your millions back out of it you've got to deduct a lot of costs plus you've got packaging marketing and all that stuff so yeah being a cell phone developer if you can make it, it i mean it doesn't sound like a bad deal really no, the hard part is having the idea and getting it out there. Marketing and catching public attention is always the headache, right. no matter what you're doing, frankly. Well, um, but it's it's doable, and the fact that expectations are low, you know, they don't want the latest and the greatest and the hottest and the hippest. They want something that can distract them as they're waiting at BWI, you know, for their flight, or they're sitting on the metro in Washington going, I wish the protesters would go away. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. I w- there should be an app for that. There's an app. For yeah, exactly. Well, what, what I'm really saying is, you know, you're developing games that are like, you know, Pac-Man from 20 years ago, and people are perfectly happy with it, and one or two people can develop those things. And at that point, you don't have to spend $20 million to develop it. I mean, what did I hear Rockstar spent how much on Grand Theft Auto? $100 million in development and overhead? Mm-hmm. I mean, who wants to do that when you can, you know – Pay some kid who's 25 to develop the next Pac-Man, you know, an 8-bit thing or something, and suddenly cash all these big checks. That's true. That sounds like a good, good, a good deal. Again, if you can get it. Now, Todd, switch, switching gears to you, then, wh- what uh, what attracts you to cell phone games? Because you'd be more the consumer side, so that Nate was talking about. When, 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 when do you? What type of games do you buy, and what attracts you to the games, and what what kind of cell phone games? Uh, do you see, and, and how much do you pay for them? Well, actually, it's more towards iPhone-based games as opposed to my cell. Mm-hmm. My cell phone being a Windows mobile-based system, um, not really designed for gaming. Mm-hmm. It's crap. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and, and all our friends... Well, if Fred ever had an iPhone, then I'd, I'd join him. I'm never going to AT&T. And all our friends... Well, I, I think in a year you won't have to, Todd. I think it's Verizon, though, that they're going to be going to. No, I think they won't be. I think they won't do an exclusive next time. Just be open to everybody. That'd be. Hope by the by then my contract should be open, so I might be in. That'd be interesting. Yeah. You know, Verizon's an interesting company because they are generally regarded as having the best network as far as coverage around the country, but they have the worst phones ever. I mean, you know, so you know, getting something like an iPhone um, onto the Verizon network would be cool. But I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt, uh, Todd. So. That's okay. So you're saying so you you do mostly iPhone gaming now now what what kind of games do you have on your iPhone what are, what are they like and how much do they cost and and what makes you say hey I got to have that game? Well, basically from past experience of uh, games I've played before either emulated from consoles or PCs or um, even simple stuff like I have Prices Right on my um, my phone which I pay like a dollar for. Mm. It emulates the uh, TV show well. Runs runs pretty bad on my first gen. I'm sure if I had the third gen touch, it'd run a lot smoother. But that couple have a couple of the PopCap games, you know, Bookworm, Peggle. I've been playing those a lot. Hey, I saw that Plants vs Zombies just went out for the uh, for this for the iPhone too, which yeah, I never awesome. really played, baby. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, it, I mean, if anything got defected over from a from a cell phone, I remember when I got my. Uh, Last time I went to E3 and I went to Sprint, I got a copy of Jewel Quest from them. Mm. And I actually got the sequel that I put on my iPhone – or on my iPod, I mean. I'm sorry. And it runs pretty well on there. Yeah. So mostly it's all classic stuff. I have 
try to get a couple of the premium titles from EA, which I know I said between one to five dollars. Usually those that usually cost like ten dollars. Wow. It was just like a one time thing. I picked up SimCity on my um, iPod. It was okay for the um, for the way it runs. A little slow, but felt like I was playing the you know, old SimCity three thousand on my computer. Really? So so how did how did it compare to the PC game? It was it was pretty similar. It was almost identical, yeah. Just a little sluggish and uh, touch control takes some getting used to. Right, right. And you've got a first generation iPhone? First generation iPod Touch. Okay. Yes. And then And then we talked about Kelly and I mentioned this before the show. I've talked about how some of the controls they actually uh try to emulate game pads on the um on the iPod. I have both uh Hero of Sparta and uh Wolfenstein three D on my iPod that do that. And they're not really that responsive in my opinion. Mm. So will you prefer to play with uh, the touch screen then or That's right. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Now Kelly, you have a higher generation iPhone, right? Yeah, I've got the three G. And and what is what is what type what type of games are you are you pulling down for your system? <laughs> um, uh, you know, just well, just I, the top ten of the two hundred or so that you've got there. <laughs> I, I I like a lot of the Popcat games. I, I'm a big fan of those, but I also like the Heroes Sparta. I like some of the EAs. I tend to try the free versions that they release before I buy, and I'm also a bad. I'll wait because it's inevitable. They're going to end up dropping the price. It's maybe a one week, one day thing, but that thing will go down from four ninety nine down to ninety nine cents for twenty four hours or one week. That's oh, you, what I Kelly, grab you just it. reminded me on something. I'm not sure if you heard, but just recently Apple announced they they hit the two billion mark on downloads. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to start lowering prices to two dollars for most of their products for a short time. Hmm. Mm, they, hard to tell. They, they did it when they hit a billion. They offered a lot of games for ninety nine cents. Yeah, mm, that's pretty cool. Now, how, how do you know Kelly when they go to ninety nine cents? Do you do you have some sort of watch site or something that you use? Or oh, I'm on iTunes a lot, <laughs> <laughs> a lot. But no, I get the email things from Apple and some different stuff. And some of the sites that I follow through Twitter and um, by email, they'll let me know and cheer me and say, "Hey, this is on sale right now." Okay. Now, where now, Kelly? Obviously, you you play on the console a lot. I know you're a huge console gamer, and I know also you are come recently to the PC gaming market. I know you've been playing some MMOs and so forth. So where do where does the mobile gaming fit into your gaming sphere? I mean, when, when you when you get a cell phone game, why are you buying that game? What is the what is the thing that that makes you say, okay, I I need to have this? Is it because you spend a lot of time away from the house and you, you want to play, you know, while you're at the mall or what, what's the, what's the impetus driving you to collect all these games? It's basically for like when like my nephew's off, you know, hogging the laptop, <laughs> which is the main PC gaming. And then, you know, my husband's playing the only copy of the one game I would want to play. It's single player. So I got, that's when I'll be sitting on the couch playing it. A lot of it's when I'm at the doctor's office waiting out and about waiting, you know, anytime when I'm or at the in-laws' house. That's the big one. Mm, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Nate, Nate, how big is the market for people that want to do something else when they're at their in-laws' house? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I think near universal actually. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, that's when I'm kicking out the tap tap. Yeah, the I love those games. I, I all of them. Oh, pretty cool. I, I'll I'll admit I I'm a BlackBerry guy, and. Uh, to, to offset all you iPhone people, <laughs> um, one of the I have two or three games on here. I think I have Peggle from PopCap and 
so, something else, I forget, but it's basically designed to keep my kids distracted. <laughs> you know, we're someplace where we have to wait in line at, you know, at a bank or something's going to take some time. I'll fire up Peggle and I'll just hand it over to you. <laughs> Very cool. It's like a pacifier. <laughs> yes, kid, kid anesthesiologist. <laughs> <laughs> now, Todd, I wanted to ask you because you and I shared a, an interesting experience a couple years ago when the when the mobile gaming market just started to come out. And we were both presented with a very cool gaming device that I thought was really neat. Actually, it came out before, I believe, the PSP. And we both loved it. We thought it was a really cool device. We, we thought the company had a bright future ahead of it. And, of course, they are now nowhere to be seen. They are out of business. Um, Todd, do you want to do you want to relate that story a little bit in the, from the early uh, days? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess you're talking about the tap wave. Yes, the good old tap wave. Oh. Uh, that was a great system. Uh, basically, for anyone who doesn't remember, the Tapway was a was a gaming handheld which actually ran on Palm OS hardware. Mm-hmm. So not only was it a good gaming console, it was also a decent uh, Palm PDA. Uh, games were able to come out either via digital distribution or on SD cards. Uh, video quality was very sharp. It ran on an ATI processor. I, unfortunately, the, uh, the actual chipset, I can't remember off the top of my head. I have the device. But, mine, mine's sitting here on my, my gaming bookshelf somewhere. But, uh, yeah. It was good handling basic 3D. Because there were some games on that that, that really took advantage well, of it. Well, I remember there was, you and I were sitting at an airport in Los Angeles, I think, over at LAX, and you were playing Duke Nukem 3D on this handheld. It was pretty awesome. I don't think it was Duke Nukem. That never that Doom came. Maybe out it was before. Doom. Maybe it was Doom. But I know people. I know people were watching you from a couple rows over. Like, man, that guy's got a cool system. <laughs> I mean, it was a it was a nice device. It was, in my opinion, the iPod Touch before the iPod Touch came out. Yeah, it had a lot of the same features. And then its competition was like the Nokia. The what was that stupid side talking? The engage. Yeah, the, the, the horrible. Uh, <laughs> I still remember every night when Shella and I made fun of that device. <laughs> and there's another device we're going to talk about in a few minutes that we think may actually be worse than the Engage. Oh, really? Because I remember the, uh, the, the Nokia was like, no, side talking's cool. You just hold this thing up in an awkward angle to your ear and talk. It, it like looks like a banana. <laughs> yeah. I remember there was, a, there was a site that actually parodied that. <laughs> they had people holding up all these weird things up to their ears sideways style. <laughs> One guy actually had a Mortal Kombat arcade machine up to his ear. <laughs> Jeez. Did you notice how hot those things got? Too? Oh yeah, yeah. They were, well, and well, you're moving a lot of electrons through a small enclosed space. You're lucky your thing doesn't cause third degree burn. Well, and not only that, but you had to disassemble the unit to change the cartridges. So you you actually had to take the back panel off and unscrew something, and you were actually exposing yourself to all that heat just to change games. <laughs> so I mean, sure, right. you had the QD that fixed that, but still was the damage is already done. And they're not still the talking about resurrecting. They're still talking about resurrecting the Engage network. I have yet to see that happen. No, the games were pretty bad too. So, Todd, what was the one that you were talking about that was worse? We can go ahead and hit that. Well, actually, it's by the time the show gets published, it should already be out. Sony's releasing the PSP Go on the. Oh no, I have that listed as a topic I wanted to talk to you about because oh. I have a PlayStation Three now. I, I have I have entered the console world with the with the the PS Three. I mostly do reviews on the PC side, so I never really had to have a console. But I have a PS Three now, and my wife and I are completely addicted to Little Big Planet. By the way, I I think Todd, you were right. Good choice. We missed GameIndustry.com. Totally missed out on that game. That game should have been a game of the year for us. That game is amazing but if i remember i think i had a number two on my uh 
best of the year last year. Yeah, and I have to go back and say you were right about that. That was that was one that we the the readers well we let the readers vote on the on it, and I think they must have missed that one because that that's a really cool game. But um, one of the things I noticed because the way the PS3 works with the new firmware is that when it boots up, it boots you immediately to the what's new section, and Sony has been pushing me like crazy to get these. PSP Go games that interact with the PS3, and somehow they're they're supposed to work together. And I was just wondering what you guys thought about bringing the the mobile market and tying it back to a console. I mean, it seems like it might work if if they do it right. But Todd, you're saying that you you don't think so. It, that's not that's not the reason why I've been against PSP Go. I mean, there have been consoles that have done that before. Even the GameCube when they had Zelda, mm-hmm. they allowed you to hook up your Game Boy Advance to it. And what would you be able to do? Basically, it was just like give you like a navigation map when you're uh, when you're out in the sea. Okay. The original PSP did the same thing. In fact, it allowed you to control your PS3 from a remote location. Like if you want to play a lower end PS1 game or watch a movie that was streamed on it, you can do that. Hmm. But um, the problem with the PSP Go that I have is like well, there's several factors. Like one, it's coming out at two hundred fifty dollars, which is a lot more than you'd pay for the PSP three thousand. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> Sony coming out way too high for the market? <laughs> it, oh, it gets worse. It gets worse. Sorry, I had to. Forgive me. It's okay. <laughs> the fact that they took out the UMD drive is what hurts me the oh, most. Oh, so you can't even watch those little movies. Or play the older games. And that would affect someone like myself who owned a PSP 2000. Hmm. Because so, I, I'd have all these UMD discs. And then now if I wanted to upgrade to the PSP Go, they're worthless. Hmm. Sony, Sony offered this. They offered this so, policy mm-hmm. to um, to be able to trade in your discs for a digital download of the same game, but they nixed it at the last second. Oh. Jesus, Sony to market. I got your games right here, baby, right here. <laughs> Ke- Kelly, do you have a do you, do you have a similar opinion on the on the PSP Go? Uh, well, my yeah, I think the well, I, I'm not shocked though. Sony not being backward compatible. I mean, hello, they look at how many times they've done it now. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm not surprised. You know what's funny about Sony, and you know, being an industry observer like myself for the last 12 years, is that the the second generation consoles, when it was when it was PS2 versus Xbox versus. Uh, uh, whatever the heck the the pre Wii thing was, um, you know, and the PS2 won on large part because of its backward compatibility, mm-hmm. and yet and the ability to play DVD. Yeah, and and yet for some reason everyone who sees the market gets that except the company that got the advantage from having that feature. <laughs> well, the way I see it, I've always had, said each console has a rule of threes mm-hmm. that the third console will always fail. <laughs> it, happened, it happened with Sega with the Saturn. To a lesser extent, Nintendo with the, with the 64. I'm putting my flame shield up now because I know the fanboys are going to go off. <laughs> I love my Sony, 64. Sony with the PS3. Well, no offense, John. Hey, but it's I love. They're in the. I wonder when Xbox comes out with the Xbox 720 if that will happen with them. Right, right. Is it really going to be called now, 720? Because I made that up last. <laughs> every, everyone's saying the Xbox. Okay, it's, it's an assumed name. <laughs> and well, I don't know if I can say that for the PSP yet because the Go is actually the fourth system. Mm. Does that does that mean the next iteration of the Wii is going to be awesome? <laughs> Those. The rule of threes. Todd is taking star. Actually, you got a point there because yeah, because GameCube, then Wii, 
You got Todd's taking Star Trek movie logic and applying it to the console, <laughs> to the console realm. Genghis Khan, Adolf Hitler, and Zyblon <laughs> of Altair 6. Uh, All right. Uh, so the so PS3 Go, maybe you guys aren't looking forward to. Um, is there anything that you, Todd, or you, Kelly, are looking forward to in the handheld market? I mean, the, a new version of the iPhone or anything like that? or. Well, the Touch just came out with their, their latest generation model. Mm-hmm. The only thing that would interest me is perhaps the larger size because it's now up to 64 gigabytes built mm-hmm. in and uh, the faster processor. The only – I mean I'm holding off on purchasing it because they didn't include a camera with it like they did with the iPod Nano. Mm-hmm. Maybe when they come out the fourth generation and Steve realizes, hey, these people want a camera on this system. It's not just a gaming console. It's not just a portable portable handheld. It's not the equivalent of a netbook. I can't believe they did that. Didn't they just put a uh, – is doesn't the new Nano have video now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're trying, com- trying to compete against the flip phones with that. Wow. Boy. But with the iPod Touch, they're, during their press conference, they actually showed a picture of someone trying to put – I think it was a Dell or an Asa netbook in their pocket. And, and, yeah. yeah. As, as opposed to putting an iPod Touch in there. Because it does make a darn good portable computer. Huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a great web browser. If you got Wi-Fi access, you can get on anywhere. The only thing it doesn't have is uh, 3G. And I can live without that if I can just get near a Wi-Fi network, which I can do like 95% of the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's why I secure mine, Hargosh. Oh, <laughs> well, what about you, Kelly? Is there anything you're looking forward to? You, you seem to, you have the most modern of the of the mobile uh, computing gaming systems of of uh, all of us. Oh, mine is just always seeing what the. I mean, I'm shocked in, with the, what the developers are spitting out for the the app store. That that's just amazing. I mean, it's. I'm still looking for the app, though, that allows me to mute my husband when he's getting on my nerves. <laughs> I want that app. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, maybe you could get a tutorial software or something. To give you- of course, I do have the app that teaches me the dog tricks to train my dog. Maybe they could get one. <laughs> that's crazy. What are, what are some of the amazing apps that, you, that you've seen that you do like? Oh, there's uh, – from – just Monopoly. The tap tap is like just having a portion of like Guitar Hero out on the go. Of course, not made by the same people. Uh, I've got an eight-year-old niece that just loves playing Kitty Cannon. She loves launching the cat across the field as far as she can. <laughs> I've taught her well. <laughs> Who doesn't? Really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just things like that. I mean, they've always got really cool. Like, the biggest one of mine is recipes. Uh, the McCormick's, uh, Betty Crocker's got one. Trust me, my husband's benefited from that. <laughs> well, there's how you shut your husband up. You put a good piece of food in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, I do that frequently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, th- I think we've got. Uh, I think we we covered the the topic pretty well on on mobile gaming. So it sounds like it sounds like mobile gaming not only is a huge market, but seems to be the uh, the way to go. I, I guess uh, we always I always try to ask a final question. So so 
and I'll, I'll make it an easy one this this time. So, do you think that the future for at least the mobile gaming space is is, is pretty bright? I mean, it, it, you know, is there anything that is there any roadblocks that we haven't talked about that might be coming up, or compatibility issues, or anything like that? And especially, I'll hear from Nate because you wrote that article about how how it's done in Japan and how it's done differently here. But let me start with you, Todd. What do you think? Uh, mo- mobile gaming pretty much here to stay? Yeah, pretty much. Especially with the success of the iPod, right. and the uh, iTunes Store, mm-hmm. uh, consoles, uh, they, they'll have their moments. Like I said, the DS is going strong. Mm-hmm. The PSP is going to hit hit a couple of bumps with the uh, with the Go. Some stores are in Europe are actually boycotting the device. Mm-hmm. So, um, if anything, it's going to be more towards the uh, iPhone and iPod touch. Right. Interesting. Interesting. And sort of an unexpected. I mean, five years ago, completely unexpected way for the market to go. So, what do you think, Kelly? Same thing. Yeah, definitely. Apple really brought their A game with it, and they released that App Store and that and the iPhone, and I think that really way opened up that mobile gaming market because this is where little low man at home can set and program and get his app approved and make a million. Nice, nice. That's that's a cool dream. Nate, uh, as always, uh, you get the last word. What, what do you think? I think it's still largely an untapped market. I mean, Apple has opened some things up, but it's not necessarily gaming. They're moving a lot of other productivity and oddball apps. Uh, The biggest obstacle I still see is the variety of platforms that you're going to have to, you know, you can't get a universal game right now because all of the different technologies prevent that from occurring. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that is a problem that will be solved over time just through probably either BlackBerry or the iPhone, destroying everybody else. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. If you guys are out there in listener land or you're listening to us on, surprise, surprise, the iTunes site, or you're here at uh, GameIndustry.com, wherever you're at, send us an email. Let us know what kind of mobile apps you like. We try to cover the market, but, I mean, you know, if we had a full fleet of reporters, we couldn't even cover all the games that are on Kelly's phone. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> If you know about a good uh, thing, please let us know. We'll check it out. Our email address is ginlounge at gameindustry.com. And uh, I will see you all next time in the lounge. Take it easy, everyone.